It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is the returning Fallon Bowman, where we dissect the entire Deftones discography. Uh, this week, we are running down Koi no Yokan. I actually got it right that time. <laughs> uh, we are quickly approaching the very end of this uh, discography discussion. It feels like not that long ago that we started this, and it's kind of bittersweet that we're, we're slowly coming to an end here. Um, it's quite interesting to have kind of gone on this journey uh, with Fallon being one of the first handful of guests that I actually ended up getting to do the podcast. Uh, I never really thought that, you know, I would talk to her over the, you know, sort of monthly, uh, as it were, to do some of these conversations. And, uh, you know, it's been really interesting to kind of to, to sort of make a new friend uh, through the music of the Deftones. Um, as we kind of had discussed, you know, going into the show that we ended up like when we realized that we were both going to see the deftones within a day of each other uh you know it just kind of felt like a a little bit more of a kinship uh concert going buddies and so forth and uh it's just been kind of really interesting to to think that you know we started doing this thing about a year ago and that you know we have talked about every album every song in detail and uh, I kind of think it also is interesting to to do that uh, if you are a fan of something because you kind of end up learning that even though you may love a record, that you kind of start finding out like, well, I like this, but I don't like this about this song or this particular album. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to kind of break it down and kind of really get into it with somebody. And then, you know, as well as learning about some of the things that another person connects with that album or, you know, a specific song. Um, I think I've definitely learned that Fallon, you know, it really latches on to imagery of water and so forth. It's something I've never really picked up on, but once she made, you know, mention of it, I kind of have noticed it a lot more throughout most of uh, Chino's writing and so forth. So it's, it's interesting the different perspectives on the same thing that we have. Uh, and I mean, that, I mean, it applies to a lot of other things, not just solely music or, or Deftones music for that matter. But I mean, you can sit there and have a conversation with people and, you know, maybe you can agree to disagree on something that we've, we've definitely have had that happen where when trying to choose a song or even talking about a song where we're like, yeah, I'm not really feeling this song, but I mean, you really like it. So, I mean, it's all subject to, to that and the individual person's taste, but it's, uh, it's been really interesting to kind of look back and, and realize that, you know, I've, I've kind of gone on this musical journey with somebody and, uh, learning more about this person and, you know, as I said in the conversation I had with her solely about her, it's been, it's kind of a trip doing this podcast sometimes. Like, you get to talk to people, and, you know, if you would have told, you know, freshman year me who had a photo of Fallon or a, a poster of Fallon in my high school locker, that, you know, like one day you're going to, you know, talk to this person and, you know, a band that you fucking love that you're going to, you're going to talk to somebody, you're going to talk to this person about this band for, you know, about a year. Uh, I probably would have told you you're fucking crazy. Um, but that is that is the wild thing about, you know, this day and age we live in with social media being what it is and people having podcasts and so forth. Uh, 
you know, it just kind of brings all kinds of people together. And it's, like I said, it's it's been really fun to do this discography discussion with Fallon. And I'm kind of bummed that uh, we're not going to have our monthly chats. Uh, it kind of feels like a weird pen pal kind of thing. Because, like, usually we spend the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes just kind of talking about what's been going on and, and so forth. So, I mean... Uh, for someone that I've never actually met in person, uh, it's it's kind of bittersweet, like I said, to see this kind of ending. And I, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how we both respond to gore. Uh, I've been trying to sneak it into some of my listenings uh, of other albums, you know, prepping for other interviews and so forth. Uh, I never really thought that I would ever say that listening to different albums was going to kind of be a, a, ch- a chore of sorts. Uh, but here I stand, you know, I think sometimes, you know, when I have... In a span of a full week, I might have three or four podcasts scheduled, and you know I got to listen to a record that's either not out, a record that just came out, kind of get reacquainted with a band's discography, uh, in addition to listening to other interviews and so forth. Um, so sometimes some things kind of fall by the wayside, uh, but with the Deftones chats, you know, a lot of this material I'm really familiar with. Uh, I will say the last couple have been uh, more listening to the records right away. Koino Yokan, I was. I've listened to quite a bit, but I I still would say it's not a record I really listen to a whole bunch. And then when I listen to the record, I'm kind of like, why why don't I listen to this one as much as I do? Um, so it's kind of that's another interesting thing too when you start going through a band's discography and you kind of start realizing like, oh, I kind I kind of fell off here or whatever, uh, and you just kind of start thinking about that time frame in your life. Uh, very interesting like snapshot effect of that. Uh, but yeah, so we will be discussing gore coming up. That'll wrap up our Def- Deftones discography discussion. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how we feel about it because uh, admittedly both of us haven't really listened to that record a whole lot. And uh, I, I don't know if that's just due to the fact that neither of us found the time to listen to it or that we just didn't really connect with the album. Uh, I think you're going to kind of find that I, I didn't necessarily like it, so I didn't listen to it as much. Uh, but maybe it might be an album that grows on me once I kind of check it out a little more leading up to our last conversation. Um, speaking of things that are kind of growing on me... Uh, that's actually a really terrible segue. Um, Metallica just actually announced their uh, their tour for the actually I don't remember worldwide World Wired tour I believe is what it's called. Uh, it is stopping here in Grand Rapids, and I think the last time that they came through here to Michigan, this part of Michigan, I want to say was when they were on. Fuck, what was that? I think it was the. F- I think it was still in high school, actually. Fuck, has it been that long? Has it been 15 fucking years since they've been here? Shit. Uh, yeah, but I think the last time they came through, they were with Godsmack. Uh, so, actually, no, I take that back. They had been back one other time before that. It was when they didn't announce any of the fucking openers, and I thought about going because tickets weren't terribly overpriced, and then I didn't go, I didn't go. The show sold out because the Van Andel isn't, like, a super big arena, so it, it can sell out pretty quickly. Um... And then they announced that Gojira and Lamb of God are the openers, and I was really fucking pissed. Because <laughs> uh, I definitely would have gone to see those other two bands that would have made the money spent well worth it. And uh, I definitely would have enjoyed seeing Gojira and Lamb of God. So um, I'm on the fence now. The tickets are on... I think the pre-sale went live today uh, as of the time I'm recording this. And then the tour doesn't actually come through until a full year. Um so I don't know if it's going to sell out or if I'm going to have time to to kind of weigh the pros and cons of like, oh, should I go? Should I not? Oddly, I'm not a super big Metallica fan, 
but very much like Star Wars and shit like that. Like I know so much about the band because of everyone being such a super fan of the band. And even I would say some of the more obscure shit I obviously know, I know that they will probably stick to a relatively fan-friendly set, you know, probably heavily leaning on, you know, the first four or five records. I don't think you're going to see a ton of shit off of, like, Load, Reload. You know, I think you're going to get a lot of singles off of the newer records. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, I mean, for all I know, fucking Metallica could come out and just do an evening with and end up basically just playing deep cuts as well. Um, so I don't know. I, I, part of me also kind of wants to hit up my editor for one of the websites that I contribute for and see if maybe I could review the show. Um, sometimes I think when I go into a show with a band that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, but I'm not super familiar with, I I tend to find that that kind of helps me not fanboy out. Like I, I don't carry in like disappointment. Oh, well they didn't play my favorite song on this. And oh, how could they have played that deep cut? Not this one, which was a, a better song overall or, you know, things like that when we get super obsessed with bands. Um, so sometimes I think being a little bit objective like that kind of helps in my writing. Cause I don't come across this as such a fan of the band. Like, you know, maybe somebody else who's like a diehard Metallica fan is and would be interestingly though, uh, in the presale thing for this tour, something I've never really seen a band do. And I, I kind of think it's interesting uh, and I'm interested to see if this actually leads to more bands doing this. They have different tiered, you know, pre-sale packages and so forth. But one of the offers that they have for the tickets is something called the Wherever I May Roam Pass. It basically is a general admission floor pass, if I understood it correctly. And it's about $600. And what it does is it allows you to have access to the floor uh, to any show that you go to uh, on this tour. So let's say, you know, like they're coming here to Grand Rapids. If you were to go to the Grand Rapids show, decide to go maybe to another one out of state like Illinois or Ohio or, you know, wherever, that basically within three concerts, if you were to buy that same ticket, you would have to go to three shows to pay for to have it pay for itself. Now, they say that if you give the if you contact whatever, I don't know if it's a, a email or a number or whatever, that if you contact this thing within 48 hours, they'll get you a ticket. And I think that's a really interesting thing because, I mean, definitely there are people who go to numerous shows. I, I know I have gone to see certain bands on a couple of dates on a, on a particular tour. And I think for those diehard fans that, you know, obviously Metallica is one of those bands that have a lot of diehard fans living all over the U.S. And maybe some that would want to come and follow the tour for a little bit that, you know, it offers them a unique experience. I even saw there was some for, I think someone told me about $3,000. Uh, you can get backstage or, or whatever. I don't necessarily know what that entails. I didn't see that option, but uh, I definitely think in this day and age, like with touring, like and, and everyone always knows that touring is where a lot of bands make their money because album sales doesn't necessarily do it. But I think this is an interesting new concept. It kind of takes the meet and greet VIP thing that a lot of bands are doing nowadays. I think it kind of takes the concert itself to another level to where you... You know, if you're willing to pay a couple hundred bucks and go follow this tour, then, you know, why not treat fans to a different experience to where, you know, they can buy like an all like a, basically a one ticket for everything kind of deal. And I fucking dig it. I think it's a cool idea. If there was a band that I liked a lot more, I would probably be, be more inclined to maybe think about it where it's like, oh, shit, like my wife and I really like this show or this band. Fuck, they're playing like like. Case in point, if that Kanye West tour would have probably done this, 
I mean, I know those tickets were the tickets alone for me and my wife to go were about half of just what this one you know ticket would be. So I mean, I know that's a you know more than what we spent. But I mean, it's like if you're already looking at spending three hundred dollars between two people to go to a show, then you know potentially if you knew you were really into that band and really wanted to see that tour, spending a couple hundred more to be able to go as many times as you want. Yeah, it's kind of brilliant on Metallica's part. Uh, so I'm really interested, to see, really interested to see where this ends up taking uh, touring packages and so forth, and and seeing if more bands or more venues or whatever end up offering something like this. I would be interested actually to see venues do something like this. Maybe you know there are things like Movie Pass, like you know you pay a, a certain amount of money a month, and then you get to go see as many movies as you want within that month. Within you know it's one per day within a 24 hour cycle, but you know, there's a lot of different things going on within different mediums of entertainment, and I'm just kind of wondering, you know, if this is the first big shift I've seen in the concert-going experience to where I'm wondering if uh, this is going to shake things up or if this is going to just kind of be something that only big-name performers are able to do. Can you scale this to something uh, like, let's say, like a, a hate breed or, you know, something that, you know, a band that plays smaller clubs and so forth. Like, can you scale this down and make it work financially for for the band and for the fan? Um, so, I mean, I think the ramifications of this are going to be really interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, I'm also interested to see if, you know, announcing a tour a year ahead of time, if these dates just, you know, the tickets fly off the shelves and they end up selling out crazily. Uh, if they've already factored that in, I didn't look at the tour routing as far as the dates, the actual dates. So I don't know if they've already kind of pre-factored in that they can play a place maybe twice, like do two nights. Like if one of the venue's doing pretty good, hey, let's add another night. Hey, it's not doing so good. Let's go, you know, to the, you know, another town or another market over. Um, but yeah, I think just like I said, the ramifications of this, I think, are, are very interesting as far as what it will do to touring bands some of the touring ticket schedules and so forth and uh what it offers people the fans themselves i think uh, a lot of fans now you know money's kind of tight and you want to spend money for different experiences and I, I definitely think this uh offers a lot of fans a very unique experience uh so very interested to see how this pans out with all that said i am going to stop chatting right now to get into my conversation with fallon bowman where we run down koi no yokan How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. So, is this uh, how often did you listen to this record leading up to this? Um, I listened to it yesterday. Uh, it's not well. I guess we'll get into it, but it's not one I listen to when I want to actively listen to something. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that that makes enough sense. So let's uh. You know, obviously with the with us talking Diamond Eyes, I know that was a record we had been building up the entirety of this chat. I feel like now at this point we're gonna kind of into the slow release of uh, the last these last two records, um, because I think for once we're kind of back into like I definitely haven't listened to either of these records a whole lot. 
Uh, especially yep. especially Gore. I've only probably listened to that record about maybe two times, three maybe at the max. So <laughs> this will be interesting too. to see what we... I mean, like I said, when you were talking about Saturday Night Wrist and uh, Self-Titled, I was really interested to see your perspective because as someone who had spent a lot of time with these records, you know, I was able to look back on them a lot, whereas now I feel like with these two newer ones, you know, we're still kind of very much still processing this music. And uh, right. I think we're kind of either going to give a very real and honest opinion on the on this music, or something that people will completely disagree with us as a whole. <laughs> right? Yeah, it can go either way, as it always does. So let's uh, start off with the track opener, album opener, Swerve City. Go ahead and start it off. So uh, the, immediately, the first thing that I thought is again they've hit it out of the park in terms of having a great opener for a CD, um, or for a record, just it's the the combination of the like a drivingness of the guitars and drums are just it gets you right into the mode they they kind of hook you right in um kind of echoes that whole my own summer opening where it's just like oh yes i like where this is going and then it just progressively uh you know, gets better. It sets a really great tone. Um, the other thing that really surprised me, though, when I first heard the song was how it was so incredibly heavy and um, and driving, but the the vocals are almost in complete contrast to that. It's there's nothing really um, quote unquote heavy or sort of you know uh, chunky metal kind of deal uh, with it at all. It's it's quite poppy and deceptively so it's the song is quite deceptive in that in that sense but they're they've really mastered this this whole uh contrast and this it 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 lends itself to each other quite well um they've 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 really nailed that i think with this song um yeah and that was pretty much what my initial thoughts (laughs) it's so funny how how very similar we articulate our thoughts about these songs. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, because like, we've become so used to our vernacular. To, yeah, and you know, just used to the way that they've they've evolved as a band. We can uh, we can hear it right away. Like, oh yeah, this is X Y Z. It's just because we're fans. We know them. Not really, but <laughs> <laughs> you do. I don't. <laughs> I stalk his Facebook sometimes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> ah, well, I didn't even know he had Facebook, so there you go. Uh-oh. Actually, you know what? I don't think it really is his, but the person that it who's pretending to be him is doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> should ask him. Should hit him up and ask him about the shirt that he was to say. Oh my god! And the person will be like, "Oh yeah, that was in Chicago, right?" And be like, "No, you're wrong. You're not Kato." <laughs> Uh, so Surf City, I wrote that uh, coming in right out the gates with that synth- syncopated drum and guitar groove. Uh, we've talked about this basically being a staple of the Deftones over the last few albums, having a really strong album opener. And no surprise here, it still is intact, you know, basically coming right out the gates with a, a really strong song. Uh, I wrote that you can really hear Sergio coming through with these funky bass lines during the verses, something I don't really think I can remember hearing too pronounced on Diamond Eyes, uh, with that being the first record he played on. Uh, also, one of the few solo songs that has a solo, and I put quote-unquote solo, because, I mean, <laughs> Chino tends to ride the shit out of one note with a bunch of delay and reverb on it, so I don't know if that's a solo, but uh, <laughs> it's basically, I can see it, like, in the studio, it's like, okay, here's, like, the 15 seconds for something, like, go. <laughs> yeah. Um and I go, still not wild about the echo on the chorus, um, especially live. Um, but I know that's just kind of me nitpicking. Did you mention something about it being really off? Live? Live? 
yeah. yeah, it's it's almost like either he does it, like he hits like a vocal pedal, which I wouldn't be surprised, or someone does, but it's never like, it doesn't seem like it's ever consistent uh, yeah. in how it does or how it repeats, it just kind of is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did notice that when they played the song live, uh, when I saw them in the summer, last summer, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's a little strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good song. I mean, it's nothing, it's kind of like the, the, I noticed as I was writing some of the stuff, I was like, you know, like some of my stuff kind of got to like, eh, you know, it's Deftones. It's what we've come to love or come to expect or, you know, things like that. So it's, it gets kind of weird when you're, this is what the seventh album, I think of the bands. Yeah. And it's like, it's just when you start kind of coming to it, it's like when it's good, you're like, yeah, this is what I like about the band. And then when something's not working, you're like, I don't like this. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't really get too much more involved in that at that point. Cause you're just like, well, there's plenty of stuff I like and I can go to that. Yeah. No, no, no. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. Cause it either, you know, at this point we've followed them for this long on and off in some case, in my case, but, yeah. um, you know, it's what we come to expect from them. We really like, but that I really, there are definitely some songs on here that I love where they're going with it. I'm like, yeah, yeah I can get behind this. This is great. Like it's not any, like anything that they've done before, but not like they haven't hinted at whether that hinted at the fact that they might go this direction. Yeah. So, um, so going into the next song, Romantic Dreams, um, I wrote that the guitar tone sounds different, uh, something that actually is a sort of repeating pattern, uh, especially for uh, this, this record. It seems like there's a, a, like three different guitar tones on this record. Um, oh, for sure. And I wrote that uh, this one has always caught my ear right away, as it doesn't have that classic Deftones guitar crunch to it. Um, the synthy stuff that Frank is laying down in the background is, is a little low in the mix for my taste. Uh, but I love how slinky it makes the verses sound when you actually can pick it out. Right. And I go, again, there's always that one song on our record that has the heavy jam and you wish there was more of it. And I go, here it is, two songs in. Uh, I wish this this jammy part kept going. Um, and then I wrote again, the stuff Frank is lingering at the end, I wish it was further up in the mix to really add to the soundscape, but... Uh, because that's not my call. And then I wrote, I uh, could have done without the last part of the song, just doing that intro riff, riff repeatedly. Yeah. Um, did you get any uh, Adam Jones tool vibes from that last part? A little bit. There's, yeah, yeah. As, as I was saying before the intro, uh, there's, there's definitely stuff on this record where I pick a lot of weird uh, influences or song ideas where I'm like, this reminds me of this, but or this could have gone this way, and then I'll reference, like, I had a song in my mind. But, uh, yeah, this kind of had, like, an Adam Jonesy tool kind of thing going on to it. Yeah, that's, that's really all. I, I put that I really didn't know what to feel about the song, because I said that vocally, it really is not that much different than Swerve City. It's almost as if they've, they've changed the music, but the, the, the vocals are very, very similar, in my, in my opinion. There's a lot of, like, these, ah! very like kind of trying to be operatic kind of deal but it uh to me there really isn't a distinction between the two songs it's uh i don't know vocally anyways uh, yeah. musically it's a different story uh and i also got a really 90s vibe with this song i don't know what that means but i'm like man i could be in you know 97 or 96 and i could hear this song playing on the radio or something like it's just 
it's really weird. I, I kind of had wondered, and I, I didn't know if I was thinking of the right band, but I was kind of getting like a, a far kind of vibe. Oh. But I, I couldn't remember if that was the band I, I actually meant to think of or if that's just the first thing right. that popped in my head. Right. But maybe. It, yeah, maybe. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's just, just evocative of something else. And I'm not trying to say that they're kind of like bite other people, but just they've they've created a, a really um, like a soup mix, a minestrone, if you will, <laughs> of uh, different uh, influences and different nuances that uh, I don't think was really prevalent on the pre- previous six albums. No. Um, leathers, that's you. Leathers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. This, I believe, was the first uh, single, and I did hear this one on the radio. Um, uh... And. I think it's the first. It was the first single because I remember I, hearing it on the radio. I couldn't remember. It was funny. I was trying to think of that because I think, I think Tempest technically was the like the the, the pre single single, and then it was this one with Leathers, and then was like the oh. official first album single. I think. Oh, okay. Because it does say well, according to the very credible source of Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, does say Leathers is first, but not by. Not by much. Okay. Like two weeks. Yeah, I was going to say. Which is very Yeah. But at any rate, it, it was the first time I had heard it on the radio. I remember specifically because I'm like, oh, hell yeah, this is great. Because <laughs> it created again, and, and I'll keep reiterating this for the rest of this talk, um, that they've created such an amazing atmosphere. It's so incredibly well-balanced with, with some exceptions, of course, in terms of uh, all of the instruments being on an even keel, on, on the same playing field, as it were. Um, but there's something also kind of off-balance about it in a good, in a, in a good way. Uh, and just the way that it makes me feel, because that's always the way I talk about music. I'm like, it makes me feel enveloped in a way. Um, and... This song is one of my favorite choruses to hear live. Yeah. Because um, when I heard it on the radio, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this. And then when he did it live, it was like bang on. So, so, so good. And oh, I was like, yes. <laughs> my, uh, the girl that I went to the concert with was just like, wow, you're getting really into this. I'm like, shut your damn mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really it. Yeah, I, I ended up saying on this one that uh, I definitely wouldn't mind more of the chill ambient stuff like this from the band that starts the song off. Uh, maybe as like far as a full song, even though when there's more stuff sort of like this I later on, I, I have a differing opinion. Um, I go, it's, it's just a perfect juxtaposition of the jarring assault the band launches into for the verses in such a strong chorus. Uh, this sounds like something that could have been an idea from Saturday Night Wrist based on Chino's vocals, mainly. Um, I go, Steph's doing a great job of mixing swirling riffs and huge bar chords and like the, that chug riff stuff that's kind of going on. Uh, everything that makes him a great player is fully on display here. Yep. Totally. Oh, he, he's just... I, I love that man. I really want to <laughs> meet him again and be like... Teach me everything because you're just fantastic. Um, even though he probably would ignore me like he did last time. 
Well, if, you, if you were probably holding weed, he'd probably be all about it. You, you know the you know the the secret to my riff writing about an eighth of an ounce. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, poltergeist. Uh, poltergeist. I, I I wrote clap tracks question marks. Uh, I go, but that fucking bass is nasty. And then that fuzzed out guitar, Jesus Christ. Uh, sadly, this is that Chino vocal style I kind of was in about from Saturday Night Wrist, and this is an example of it not working for me. Uh, sometimes I wonder if on heavy jams like this, if the band makes a chorus that will work for Chino to sing over instead of keeping the groove, the, keeping the groove of the verses. Uh, trying to recall if she ever really used effects like Sergio is using on this song, and nothing really comes to mind. Mm. Kind of all I had. <laughs> Very stream of yeah, conscious. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it, it's very echoes as it, pretty much exactly what I said. I like oh, love a good clap track. That was that, <laughs> that was my uh, my note because I'm like, oh, that's so strange. Why would they have done that? But um, overall, boy, do I think they. It, oh, but they. I mean, they go for it. I'll give them that. Go for it. They're like, we're gonna put a fucking clap track on this song, and it's gonna work. Um, and that's not to say I have never used a claptrap myself in my music, so I can't really dog them for it. But, um, but overall, I think it's a very strange song, and I don't think I understand it at all. No. I, <laughs> Just, I don't understand what they were trying to go for with it. Um, yeah. Vocally, I, I agree with you on the bass, though, for sure. It is some, some dirty bass. <laughs> But uh, otherwise, I'm like, I, I don't understand what's going on. And I do remember the first time I listened to this record, I did skip this song. I'm like, mm, meh. <laughs> well, it seems like that's a very consensus <laughs> thing for yeah, both of yeah. us on this one. Uh, so moving on to Entombed, uh, that would be you. Um, uh, oh, my God. There's a lot of thoughts coming on this page uh shake shake you like a tomb yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no wa- hey there's no water references on this it's very upsetting on, uh, on this record on this record i don't think i could pull out any water references made me very sad uh, i mean i definitely got like the the water reference that we make of uh you know that it feels like you know serene calm waters and then you know not but as far as like them actually on the record, yeah, I don't really think there are. No, no, and I'm very upset that my my theory doesn't hold true. <laughs> it has to at least put one water reference on every single one. But at any rate, uh, so really, it's it's interesting because when listening to this song, I again will reiterate the fact that this record is perfection in terms of creating this really signature atmosphere, multi layered. It's rich. Um, it's when you listen to the song on headphones, I think this song and Tempest mm-hmm. are two of the best songs to listen to when you have like really good headphones listening to it kind of in, in and out in yourself kind of deal. It's just, Oh my God, it's enveloping. It's fantastic. Um, again, that really sort of Adam Jonesy picking style, which I I'm really liking. Really. I love it because I love Adam Jones and I love his, his guitar work. So, but this is like reimagined through Steph Carpenter's eyes or fingers in this in this case. You know, it's, uh, it's before I forget this idea or this train of thought. 
it's funny that you mentioned Tool because the two songs that you've mentioned kind of a very Adam Jonesy vibe. The thing that's interesting about that and about Tool is that in that band, Adam's not really the the lead player, so to speak. It's the bass that's usually the, the guitar's following and playing little accent notes while the bass is actually the instrument of the forefront kind of leading everything. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head, both those songs, I think that's kind of how it is. Like it's it's a very like bass rhythm you know, lead and right. So this was Sergio's like sort of um, increased involvement, and and you can hear that that there's something just there's something different. He's he's taking it back a little bit, he, and and you know, letting other people. Not to say that he his guitar playing is overbearing, because it's in some cases it can be, but he's really scaling it back a little bit, and there are these little accents, these beautiful nuances that are create this what is now it's sort of what i call the deftonesian atmosphere right um you know and it's done so so well on this record and i also noticed too like there's this this is i think is this not the first song that there is the interplay between a drum machine and abe i think there might have been one other song that they did that with but um, I, I think if it was, it would have been uh, beware. Maybe with that, like, like the effect, like the effect on the drums. I think that slow kind of like shuffle drum roll, right? Uh, and then into that, like, kind of like, almost like if Frank was like hitting, or even maybe Abe like hitting like a, a drum hit, like pad At, hits. Yeah. Um, that's really all I can kind of think of off the top of my head. Yeah, because I couldn't remember. I couldn't recall if there was any song where that happens. But it's there's a marriage between the two. It doesn't. They're not in opposition. It doesn't sound out of place at all. Like it's very seamless. Yeah. And in fact, um, it it it's. I wouldn't say that this is. I think this is really a quintessential song in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, just of how they've how much they've evolved, um, to this new plane of I don't even know <laughs> just that whatever that atmosphere is um, yeah. that they've created, it's just as this song sort of nails all of that in my opinion. Yeah. I, uh, I ended up writing that. I love this slow repetitive guitar line against the program drums. Um, while this totally seems like a song Chino would have brought to the band. I also feel like maybe it's something that him and Sean Lopez would have worked on for like, Oops. maybe like a, like a crosses idea that maybe didn't get used or, or something. Mm-hmm. It just kind of has that feel to it. Uh, but I go, this is one of those slow, slinky, sexy songs that the Deftones can slip into and show their more vulnerable side, uh, probably more thanks to Chino and what he brings to the table. Uh, this is probably my first pick for a song of the album for me. Uh, it's got a real uh, reverie vibe uh, that, like, in theory, the last track off of uh, Saturday Night Wrist that I really like. Um, and right. I go, this also, at one point, uh, in the choruses, this there's a line that, you know, I think it's obviously one vocal take and they just chop that, you know, that take into the, you know, chop and paste into the vocal, the choruses or so forth. But uh, <laughs> this sounds like one of the more raw, raw, emotive vocal performances from Chino in the choruses. Like you kind of, it doesn't sound like it's perfect or that, you know, it's not much of a, uh, you know, a struggle per se, but I don't know. I just, I feel like I, I feel something a little more in that vocal take than I've heard in anything else. And I don't know if that makes any sense because, you know, like you can go back to like Adrenaline or Around the Fur and stuff in, in other albums and other songs. And it's not to say that Chino doesn't 
you know, obviously emote or have raw in, raw vocals on on record. No, there's just something about this that feels raw, like in a vulnerable kind of way, that I've not heard. Right, um, and I think that lends to the whole atmosphere or the whole idea of this song. Yeah, um, very very well. Uh, I didn't make any notes about his vocals. Funnily enough, it was more. I was just more focused on the uh the music but i did notice that as well it's very it's very intimate it's it's scaled down but in a good way and well no well yeah of course <laughs> generally everything they do is good so um but yeah i, I definitely I, I would agree with that as well yeah yeah um so graphic nature mm-hmm. this is another one of those songs where i feel like the weirdness of all the things happening makes this one a little harder to get into because there's just it feels like everyone's fighting for your attention, sonically. <laughs> um, and as the song keeps going, I like the drum beat, but as a whole, I feel like this is just a bunch of ideas thrown together. They don't really go anywhere. And so, sadly, it's just kind of a eh, song for me as a result. Mm. Probably not the same. Uh, for No, uh, for me, I said that everything is very busy in this song. Oh, okay. Everybody is very busy. Yeah. Which is weird, because usually it's like one person being busy, not everybody. Hmm. And But I felt that the song was quite understated at the same time. Yes. Like, it doesn't have, it's not very aggressive, but it's just, there's just a lot going on, especially uh, with Abe's drum work. It's very unexpected. Uh, yeah. And it's definitely not one of the songs that I, uh, I it may be a skipper. It's a, yeah. it's, yeah, like... Like Poltergeist, I was like, "Woo, okay, yeah. in this one." <laughs> so on to one of your favorites, Tempest. Oh yeah, Tempest. I always thought that this song really need needed some female influence because it. I just, you know, when I'm sitting doing the dishes or whatever, and I'm trying to sing this song, I just just hear like. Maybe it's just because I would just love to sing with Gino. <laughs> just like, oh, that'd be great. Just sing with him on the song. Uh, and I, as I mentioned before, uh, along with uh, Leathers, uh, just a fantastic song to listen to on headphones really loud. They've, again, really nailed, as with a lot of the songs they do, and I don't know many other bands that do this, uh, that, that groove. They've <laughs> do it so fucking well like you can you can feel it all, almost automatically yeah. and not a lot of bands can that do that kind of thing especially in this genre this genre whatever genre you want to uh categorize them as which i think is quite difficult to do um but also they occupy a lot of different genres like what are they alternative metal shoegaze yeah, shoegaze metal. metal there's yeah there's too many uh, subgenres that don't necessarily work but kind of do yeah, I mean they they straddle so many different ambient metal. Ambient metal, yeah. Uh, they but they just the groove uh, is seldom uh, achieved, often imitated, right. but seldom achieved as best as the Deftones can do. And I think that this song is a is a very good demonstration of that. So it's also it's uh, I get real. Depeche Mode vibes again, and that's just because I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan. I can hear them vocally. I'm like, geez, Gino, yeah. <laughs> dial it back, <laughs> would you? <ya?" laughs> like, in a good way. 
of course. I always right. say, I'm not dogging him. It's just that I, I can hear it right away. Um, and I and I love that. Of course, it's not a not a big deal. It's just something that I notice. I'm like, oh man, this could be a Depe- this could be a Depeche Mode song without <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah. So it's funny that you mention that you hear that you could hear like a strong female vocal on this. Excuse me. And uh, so I'm gonna play something real quickly because I'm gonna reference this. Um, the intro to this song. There's a guitar that rings out. Uh, every couple of measures or so. It's just a, a quick, like, kind of strum delay, echoey yep. thing. Yep. So when I heard it, all I could think of was this. Hold on, I'm going to... Like that. Right. And I kept, like, every time I heard it, I was like, oh, I just get this, like, frow, frow, let go, like, the intro to that, like, the, like, thing that it does. And so... Uh-huh. It's funny that you say that because it's that's basically like female, a female fronted, uh, uh, like pop shoegazy, ambient kind of thing. So it's very weird that like I get that vibe and that's what that album is. Um, right. And so for me, like when I heard that, and it's funny that you were saying like, oh, I can get like a real strong like female vocal vibe on this, like if there was one. And to me, it's like I feel like maybe that was like a sort of subtle nod to me where it's like, oh, I could hear that. And then, you know, you think you kind of put yourself into that headspace where you kind of hear maybe a woman's vocal on it or even right. kind of, like some of the melodies you could hear some of that kind of stuff. So it's funny you said that because I kind of was in the same uh, same headspace. Headspace. Uh, yeah, it, certainly you can hear I, I can hear that on a lot of their songs, especially on this record. I don't know yeah. what it is. He does seem to be singing in a much higher register. And it was, yeah. again, well, I think uh, it also, song. you know, especially against the eight string guitars tuned down to yeah. fucking F or G or whatever they are. <laughs> I mean, it probably makes it sound like Tune he's down a to lot, hell. Yeah. Makes it sound like he's uh, got a hot, a, a way higher range. <clears throat> um, but I wrote that this is another example of a slower song that, that lulls you in and, and kind of hypnotizes you. Uh, right as the guitars kick in, I always kind of end up noticing that I close my eyes and just kind of feel myself slipping into the the, the vibe and the groove of this song. Um, the chorus, as most Deftones great choruses do, has a nice, warm, comforting feeling to it, uh, almost like a, like a like an embryotic kind of feeling to it, like where you just feel safe inside of this this thing that they've created. You're like you're like the baby in the teardrop video for Massive Attack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you know the, like, the the grown adults in the Matrix, whatever. Oh, oh, that too. Okay. <laughs> They're just See, harvesting that's a little bit our... colder for me. I'm th- like, <laughs> no, I no, it's, I'm definitely not theory. saying that the Matrix is warm. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing warm about that movie. No. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I said as a whole, this is what reminds you of how great this band is and has something for a lot of people between melody, riffs, hooks, great vocals, just, you know, a total package of stuff in this vein if you're into this kind of stuff, uh, which I don't see how anyone could be because, like, if you like riffs, it's got it. If you like melody, it's got it. If you like hooks <laughs> in your music, it's got it. Uh, if you like good vocals and good vocal production, it's got it. Like, there's just nothing really wrong with this song that I could see people being like, no. I don't like this. Um, no. No, there's no way. Come on. I mean, there probably is a way. People probably do sit there and go like, this song sucks. Ugh. I would like to say some things to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So going on to gauze, I wrote that uh, this intro feels like Steph really flexing that mighty riff uh, with the eight string. Oh, really would love to have Chino do a song like this within this within the band, like as a whole. Uh, keep this kind of style going. Uh, and I sent you with a song earlier to to when I make this comment, you'll understand what I'm saying. But this is a song where they kept going with that that intro riff and style that I would want him to sound like he does on Whitechapel's pro- Reprogram to Hate. Because when that comes in, like that's three guitar players who are playing eight-string guitars and a bass player, and it's just heavy as fuck the whole way through. And Chino just comes in, kind of gives his like breathy vocals over like a, a, a pause, and then just comes in with like, you know, like the end of like uh, Good Morning Beautiful or like Korea or, you know, like just that really mm-hmm. aggressive shreddy vocal. And it's like, I would love to hear Chino do a song that sounds like this from the Deftones, just all the way through, just balls out, really different, because there's not really, when they get aggressive, there's not something that sounded like this. And so it just makes me want a really gnarly, pissed off, like, Deftones song like this, and I just get bummed that I don't get one. And mm-hmm. then I go, the chorus just really comes out of left field for me. Uh, and sometimes I wonder, again, if they try so hard to juxta- juxtapose heavy with poppy. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the only thing that really keeps me like even remotely interested in this song is what Steph's doing in it. I mean, there's a uh, there's like a weird little like hammer-on riff that he's doing, which you don't really see him doing on anything, on any other Deftone stuff. Uh, so it, it's, it's little shit like that that makes me listen to this song, even though I don't really like it. So I guess kudos to uh, kudos to them for at least having like interesting parts. It's like making me be like, I fucking don't really like the song, but I will listen to it almost every time it comes on for these little things that I enjoy about it. Yeah, they're very they're masters of that kind of thing. I think in in some in some cases, uh, you're like, oh, can't, I can't. This is another one like, and I was uh, my thoughts on it were very similar to yours. Uh, but it's very much in the same uh, realm for me as Poltergeist. I don't understand exactly what they were trying to do with this song, like what the aim was. I think there half of the band had an aim and then another half didn't. And like it was just kind of <laughs> they were hopefully going to beat in the middle. And they're like, oh, OK, I guess that's good. Let's just move on to the next song. <laughs> um, but there are definitely some redeeming uh, aspects of it, like you like um like you said, uh, the electronic elements for me really bolster such an interesting sound, but it never leads it. It's never it, it's never in the forefront. And I think, like you said earlier, I think about um, uh, I can't remember which one you said it about. Like that, the the levels of the sense of are always so um, in the back in the mix. Whereas yeah. I feel sometimes they just need to just just a, a tidge more to to really really round it out uh, but then again also the vocals are just bizarre in my opinion <laughs> just bizarre on this you know and that was the first thing i thought about it too i'm like jesus stupidly have heavy guitars and then there's this um these these vocals that are i get what they're trying to do maybe with a sort of juxtaposition like you're saying but it, i don't think it works in my opinion no no it doesn't no. no. So, Rosemary, this one's you again. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. 
I think that this song, and again, I'm going to mention the same things over and over again about that groove aspect. As soon as you hear the song, you just want, you don't want to headbang. You want to dance. Like it's just got this something about it that again, many bands lack in this shot, in the genres that they occupy. Um, And that ending I just put slay because it just <laughs> kills me. I'm like, oh my god, it's so good. Um, and that was really all I had. And I, I remember, I think they played this one as well. Um, yes. Yep. And it was, it was it just. All, I think all the songs that they played off of this record, they were just perfect. Like the 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 sound was crystal clear. Every aspect of it was so well mixed and and oh, it was like listening to the CD which other songs didn't have that quality which I thought was interesting. Um it felt more a little bit more organic and raw, but the these songs especially Rosemary was just like I think yeah, no. I, I made a note that it was t- Tempest and Rosemary that sounded just incredible live. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote the same thing. Uh, I wrote, uh, man, Frank and Sergio really thicken up this sparse delay guitar line of Chino's and Steph Spring brings the balls to the party. Oh. <laughs> and uh, like those truck balls uh, for, the, for the back of those the trailer tr- hitches. <laughs> truck nuts. <laughs> I forgot about those. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, this is like a greatest hits of all the funny things that we've <laughs> said. That we talked about, yeah, that's just like, uh, yay, yay, yay. <laughs> uh, I wrote that uh, this is this really feels like one of the few songs where I feel like everyone is doing what they do within the confines of the band. Steph is the metal guy. Frank fills out the sound with synths and such. Chino is melody and pretty sounding things. Abe <laughs> layers great drums. Sergio rounds out whatever, you know, bass or... Uh, sound is left to kind of be filled out with what he does. Uh, the song gets taken up a notch when you see it live, just the visuals and how well the sounds weave in and out of each other. Uh, definitely strong contender for song of the album for me. Ooh. So it's basically between this and, uh, and Tomb so far for me. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> um, Goon Squad. It, this is where like my writing for this gets really sparse. Uh, Goon Squad. Sometimes I think these slow ambient intros can be cut in half, maybe more, question marks, or at least on this song. Uh, that repeating woo, wow, whatever it is that it's doing that just gets looped gets really annoying because it like keeps going on and it's all I'm focusing on. I'm like, couldn't someone have turned that off like 17 of those? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I go, I think this is another example of the band leaning more on being more aggressive and then, but being anchored to doing something that goes to a singing chorus. Uh, mm-hmm. also I think Chino should retire. Are you in from any of the lyrics and any songs from oh, here on forward? Shade. I love it because it's true. There are <laughs> these specific, fra- I'm not kidding. When you know this, he has these specific phrases yeah. like, are you in or, um, Oh, we could make a list as in like uh, to attach to the podcast as a as a like a PDF as a, not a, a PDF like most overused Chino Marino lyrics and that like is certainly yeah yeah like a chunk definitely <laughs> up there. Um, I see you. Oh my right? God, I think I see you in in any way, shape, or form of that lyric being written. I think he said that quite a few times. Yeah, seeing, oh. tasting. 
feeling. Feeling, yeah. Like he uses, he tries to use like it's almost like Mad Libs. Like, okay, I need an adjective now. What, <laughs> what am I, what am I doing here? I'm feeling. I'm <laughs> yeah. I need an ing word, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will. I, we should think about this because I think that would be great. Deftones <laughs> Mad Libs. So, Deftones Mad Libs. Oh man, that's wonderful. Uh, no, no more comment on, on <laughs> that from you. Well, no, I, I, I said that the synths really, I would have loved for it to be like its own song. <laughs> okay. Just by itself. Um, yeah, there's. I maybe mean, maybe not a Deftones thing again. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm like, I was trying to figure out if I wanted that to be a thing, but then I was like, I don't know if I want because like I feel like it kind of wanders around, and I'm like, do I really want more of this? I don't know. <laughs> I, I love it. I just love what they're what they're trying to do with it. And again, there there may be some, you know, maybe we should put this in here, and then you know, well, it's like okay, you're gonna do that. Okay, yeah, all right. And then there's just no like, no, dude, that's not gonna work. Don't. Yeah, I'm more of the mind that it's like you know a song like that up up down down right left select select song. It's like if it was something like that where it was just straight up no vocals but like a, a band jam kind of thing, I probably would really dig this. But it's like the fact that it, it goes there and then goes where it does, you're just like, okay, what the fuck was... Okay, guys. What the fuck was the thing you were doing and what is this thing you're doing to it now? Like, I, I really don't feel like it needs to, to be like that, but what do I know? Um, But yeah, did you get weird vibes? But Not weird vibes, but like the the chorus to me doesn't even sound like him no it's is it, is it just me or it sound like he had like there was someone else singing on part of the chorus that's what i was like wait a second is that actually him because that sounds like a chick to me uh it I didn't sound like this. a uh i guess i can look on wikipedia although i thought you were on wikipedia i am on wikipedia i'm looking at it okay <laughs> uh it doesn't say anything it looks like it is him that's singing yeah okay Oh, yeah, I was that's... like thinking that to myself too. I was like, that doesn't sound like him in that part. But I go, but I mean, typically whenever they have a guest on the album, like, they'll say it. yeah, they'll say it. They're, they're not one to be like, oh no, it was. Uh, you got to figure out who that was. Yeah, it wasn't anybody. You know, it was him the whole time. Yeah. So uh, and then I also had a little minor freak out because <laughs> there's this solo. It's not even really a solo. It's like it's just like maybe a bar or two of this really Daisy Berkowitz a la um, Manson. Yeah. A la portrait of American family kind of thing. Really high reverb uh, kind of chorusy solo that made me giggle. Like, cause it's, he's one of, well, he was cause he died last year. One of my favorite guitar players. Um, loved, loved pretty much anything that he ever did. I'm like, oh, it's so good. And it made me squeal a little bit. I'm like, yee, Daisy Berkowitz. <laughs> so that, that that little part, as I had said, reminded me so much of Dopat. That, oh, uh, yeah. Like this little, just that little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. But again, this song is very, Goon Squad is very strange. It's this very yeah. strange song. Well, I feel like these last two songs really were kind of like I almost I had to go back and make sure that these these last two were actually on the record and not like special edition songs because yeah. they just sounded weird, like a weird way to end the record when you're ending with, you know, Rosemary being such a strong song. And then it just kind of was like, what the fuck Ooh. are these? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I had to go back Again. and double check and make sure I wasn't on some weird like deluxe edition version and be like, oh, no, these are actually on the album. Okay. Wait, like, uh, sorry, were you going to talk about what happened to you? Uh, or did, I, was it me? I can't it, remember. It's you. It's fine. I, I'm definitely going to say something that's funny. So you can go ahead and I'll, uh, I'll finish it up. Uh, no. I really don't have anything else to say besides the fact that, again, it sounded, this Weird. does not sound like Chino's vocals at all. Like, to me, it's yeah. very. All right. So we're going to. And it's a, it's a meh song for me as well. Yeah. So the song, this, <laughs> I laughed real hard when I, when I was listening to this. I was like, holy shit, how have I never thought of this? So the intro to this song. Okay, so I heard that and I immediately was like, no fucking way. It sounds like... It's fucking Bill Weathers used me up. I was like, is anyone else getting this uh, Bill Weathers <laughs> vibe to uh, the drum beat? Uh, no, that was not where I immediately thought. I, I, I admit that that does sound like a million other songs that... yeah. But as soon as I heard, like, I, just, I must have replayed that drum beat going, like, what the fuck is this? And then I was, like, doing the... Dun, 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 dun. And, like, I was coming up with, like, I was like, I can hear, like, the the melody line to the song that I'm thinking of. And I was like... And then it hit me as, like, the symbol, like, the, the hi-hat, or the, yeah, the hi-hat part was going. I was like, and then you use me. And I was like, oh, there it is. It's, well, who sings that? And I was like, who sings that? And I was like, oh, yeah, Bill Withers. That's right. But, uh, yeah, and then I wrote, other than that, <laughs> other than that, this song goes nowhere for me. Throwaway track. <laughs> So that was all I had. It's just that it, it's the drum beat reminding me so much of that Use Me Up song by Bill Withers, and I don't really care for it after that. <laughs> uh, I mean, essentially, we've we pretty much had the exact same thoughts on uh, many of these. So uh, not surprisingly, I mean, this I think this record is quite straightforward um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really weird because it's like I remember when this record first came out really enjoying this. But I don't now. Now a couple, obviously a couple of years removed from it and from Diamond Eyes, I feel like maybe the the hangover I had from how great Diamond Eyes was clouded me on this one to where I was like, like the subpar songs. I was like, yeah, these are so good. And now I go back and like, no, these aren't <laughs> the greatest. I mean, really though, it's like a half good record. And I felt that it, the the time elapsed between the two records was very short, was it not? Yeah, it was like it felt like it was about a year and a half. Like it almost it seemed like as soon as they were done touring Diamond Eyes, which kept them on the road for quite a while, it seemed um, mm-hmm. that basically they were. I mean, it was it was probably like the fastest turnaround since maybe uh, the Adrenaline Two around the fur. I think because that was only like a. Maybe like yeah, a it's a gap. year. Like a year or two, year, yeah. Right. Yeah, So a year I think, or two. like, outside of that, like, because like, I remember reading press people being like, oh, you know, this was a, uh, you know, the creative juices must have been going. You know, it took them so long to record from Saturday Night Wrist to Diamond Eyes. There was a record that's in between that, Euros, that, which still hasn't come out. And, you know, like, all this kind of stuff. Like, like it took so long to get to Diamond Eyes, and it seems like now that Diamond Eyes is out, like, they were, like, it just seems like the band is firing on all cylinders and able to just really kill it and, like, must have been, like, wanting to get back in the studio. And, you know, like, Leathers and Tempest and, you know, everything did pretty good. The album did really well. The tour did really well. But I'm still wondering, too, now that, you know, kind of talking about this record, I'm wondering how even going to see it, see it live, because... By all accounts, like people seem to like this record pretty 
pretty fairly, like, you know, better than I would say Saturday Night Wrist or even self-titled. Gore still splits a lot of people, um, kind of right, yep. right in half. <laughs> but what's interesting, though, is I feel like, like, you just need, like, to me, it seems like you need that, like, one great record, and then you can kind of ride, especially live, you can ride that, like, because think about when we saw them, it's like, yeah, you know, like, they still play stuff off of Adrenaline, they still play stuff off of Arama Fur, White Pony hits get a big reaction, shit off of Diamond Eyes gets a big reaction, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff off of, uh, they don't really play anything off of Saturday Night Wrist, but the stuff off of uh, the self-titled, you know, goes over kind of eh. Uh, and then it's like, you know, Swerve City and, you know, the big singles off of this, like people really get into. So it's almost like, you know, as long as you got that strong, like first single or so off of, you know, your record and you put out like a really, really great record that like, people like really just latched onto, which were that would be White Pony and Diamond Eyes. So every like third record, it seems like that will carry you for the next couple of years, whether the album is great or not. Right. So if Diamond Eyes came out in 2010, I believe. Uh, sounds about right. And we, yeah, so 2010, and then Gore came out in 2016. Yep. Really? Is that right? I always thought it was 2014. But well, any, at any yeah, rate. Gore came out about a year or so. Well, oh, as of this year, it'll be like almost two years. But I think they, they're not touring right now. So I feel like they are in the studio right now, probably, recording yeah. a new record. Oh, yeah. And you know what's going to happen. Third album. <laughs> Third album's a charm, baby. It's gonna be great. Now watch, I'm gonna go on record saying that, and then like this third album's gonna be like, you know, the next Saturday Night Wrist for most people. Oh no, don't we took it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I know the great things are gonna come from them, and they will continue to be uh, as spectacular as always, um, in some way, shape, or form. They will they at least have a two songs that we'll like on the record. At least yeah. two. Yeah, I assume. So, yeah. So, the important time... Man, we really flew through... I, I had to notice if it's not, like, White Pony, Diamond Eyes, Around <laughs> the Fur, we blew through these pretty quickly. <laughs> That's true. But I think one of the takeaways on this one is that they've come to... And I'll, I keep saying the same thing, but they've come to a really, really solid um, place now. Uh, well, Sergio, has, I think, has also really um, helped cement this, but this new evolved mature sound if yeah. that makes sense which is they... ironic because he still colors his hair like a child <laughs> <laughs> okay now i have to look at him <laughs> well like he like so when we the the first tour on this set, last album cycle i saw him on he had purple hair and then I noticed he changed it to, like, the Bleach Blonde. And then it seemed like uh, in live videos I was seeing from the Deftones Instagram account, uh, when they would play on that tour we saw, Sergio went blonde, or Bleach Blonde, and then Chino went Bleach Blonde. Oh, and then I was oh. like, oh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> we're bringing all this okay. shit back. Okay. <laughs> all right. So it seems like Sergio I mean... now is the uh, elder statesman and, and the trendsetter in the band. Hey, man, he's a good-looking dude for 50 years old. Uh. <laughs> no comment. Uh, I mean, and so and there's an interview I saw him in when he like for Fender when he had his purple hair and I was like, oh boy, wow. Yeah. Stage lighting really helps to me, but I mean, I'm I'm a dude, so and uh, doesn't not, matter. Uh, doesn't matter. I mean, but I love his grooves and I love his God. like dancing that he does, and, like when he gets into the, the groove of uh, the song and such. So I, I enjoy him for that. 
He's, uh, yeah, he's great. He makes it look really super easy and amazing. I mean, all of them really are just incredible. But Chino, Chino's 44. Oh my God, he's 10 years, he's 10 years older than me. Wow. Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> Wikipedia. But uh, yeah, I think that, that this certainly solidifies um, their sound. And um, even though I think when we talk about um, there is quite, well, there, I can't say there's quite a difference, but there's a, a new take on that mature sound that they've yeah, come into. From what I remember of listening to it, because I, I waited, it was one of the first times with the Deftones, I waited until I got my vinyl. Uh, I didn't listen to any of the singles ahead of time. Like this one, I listened to Leathers and Tempest when they first came out. Uh, jammed the shit out of them when uh, I would go to the bar and they were on the internet jukebox. I spent probably, probably I could have bought a handful of copies of this CD or vinyl and presented it to friends for the amount of money I spent those like leading up to the release of this record. Uh, oh, shit. So... Uh, Gore was one of those I, I waited and waited and waited and even though it seemed like it seemed like they put out a shitload of promotional singles for that one it was like oh here's this song here's this song here's this song and I was like oh god you guys are killing me I'm trying not to listen to anything off this record so I can like just take it all in on, on a first listen I remember right. putting that record on and just kind of being like oh mm. okay alright okay <laughs> but I don't know how much of that was just me and yeah. maybe when I like sit down with this and put it on like my good headphones and so forth, uh, I'll walk away with a different mindset or mentality of, of how I feel about this record. But as of now, on record, going into it, I, I'm remembering that I was very eh about this record. It sounded mm -hmm. great, but I just it didn't have like the different things going for it like uh, the last couple have for me. It's a, it's a yeah. steady decline. It's like Diamond Eyes, like... Wow, fucking great, top to bottom, really love it. This one, it's like, all right, about half the album, and like the way they sprinkled the songs in, so it's like, that song was it. Man, really love this song. This song's kind of pretty good, kind of could do without that part. Man, this next song's awesome. These next two suck. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it's like it, it kind of rides the peaks and valleys, and I just remember Gore, for me, being mostly valleys, not many peaks. <laughs> so, we, okay, we shall so it'll see. it'll be a very... See Maybe how 10 minutes. Uh, no, I'll, I'll give it its just due. Okay, okay, all right. Um, so the song song for the record, what is what is yours? Or what are oh. you narrowing it down to? <clears throat> I've narrowed it down to... Half the uh, album. Half the album, yep, everything's great. So I, I have to say Leathers is a pick for me as well as Tempest. Okay. Uh, but then again, I also love Swerve City, so that is really hard. it's difficult for me because i have at least one two three four five six songs out of twelve <laughs> out of twelve so if you could really pick anything and we would probably be on the I, was same say, I think for me like it, it still really is between uh entombed and uh was it uh tempest i think i said was my other one uh, or maybe it was good. rosemary no it was rosemary because i made the comment about the live setting of it and I um, love both of those songs, so. Well, maybe I'll just make it a surprise and, and figure out how I'm feeling that day, and then I'll just yeah. pick one. All right, sounds good. Um, and then socials, yeah. everyone can find you, because you were lucky and were able to just to get your name for everything. Uh, yeah, except for, uh, well, now it isn't a problem, because I had them, I reported them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I own this because your name is not Fallon Bowman. It could be, but, you know, <laughs> too bad. Anyway, uh, all of so 
um, Twitter, Instagram, and pretty pretty much everything is at Fallon Bowman, except for YouTube, which Fallon is at Fallon Bowman TV. So, yeah, so uh, we will try to get together in the next uh, month or so and talk about gore. Some gore. Some gore. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, don't break your controllers, and uh, we will talk to you in about a month or so. All right. Have a good one. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was my chat with Fallon Bowman going over Koino Yokan. Uh, at this point now, I have officially been able to say this album by name without really tripping up over it, which when I previously started this Deftones discography discussion and any time we'd mention this record, it was always the record I can never fucking pronounce. Uh, so if there is nothing else that I have accomplished by doing this uh, discography series, it is the lone fact that now I can pronounce all the album titles that I ever had problems with. Um, it was kind of interesting to uh, to go through this record. Uh, admittedly, a record that neither of us really kind of listened to a whole lot. Uh, I definitely was into Tempest and Leathers when it first came out, and obviously, as I said, you know, jammed the shit out of it uh, at bars I would go to when the record, or at least those songs, had just come out. Um, but it, it's it's kind of been the fun thing about doing this whole this whole discography discussion collectively between Fallon and myself is just kind of where we weaved in and out of following the band. Uh, you know, when we started this whole thing, we didn't really know much about each other's history with the band and the records and so forth. And so to find that a lot of a lot of similarities have been had being we didn't get into the band on adrenaline, but we had a lot of fun, you know, going back once around the fur came in, not necessarily being super stoked on adrenaline, but being able to kind of see the forest through the trees, as it were, uh, in regards to how the band got to where they ended up getting to on Around the Fur, uh, to obviously the masterpiece that is White Pony. Um, interestingly enough, you know, like we've said, uh, self-titled and, and the Saturday Night Wrist were not albums that Fallon was familiar with, so it was really interesting kind of getting a, a real true, more or less first first perspective on it uh, since she obviously didn't really have, you know, the lit, the time that I had had with it, like just spending years and years getting to listen to these songs. Um, so it was kind of interesting to, to go through this record. I'm actually really interested to see how Gore goes because, uh, admittedly, I've not really listened to it. Um, it doesn't sound like Fallon has either. And I remember, I mean, I'm definitely going to get into this during our conversation, but I definitely remember waiting and waiting and waiting uh, for the record, and I did not listen to any of the songs previous to the album being officially released uh, because, you know, as you've heard me say throughout a lot of these conversations, I ended up kind of realizing, and I've said it before, that, you know, there was the the promotional single, then the first single, and, and so on and so forth. And so with this newer Deftones album with Gore, I didn't want to kind of taint the album experience for myself. I, I really held out on not listening to any of the, the previews. And when I got the record, I definitely went into it with uh, no preconceived notion of what it was going to sound like. I didn't read any of the comments of anyone saying anything about any of the songs that had been put out at that point. Um, so I'm really interested to to dive into this record uh, with Fallon and, and kind of complete our Deftones discography discussion. Um, maybe a new record will be coming out in the next little while. It's about that time for the Deftones to put out a new record. Um, so maybe we will have one more to do. But with all that being said, uh, this has been a, a really fun journey with Fallon over the last year or so. 
And uh, it's hard to believe that it's coming to an end. It's been a little over a year at this point of uh, doing these conversations. And uh, it'll be weird not, not having to schedule the next one. Um, but there's a lot going on with Fallon, a lot that she's doing, a lot on her plate, and we'll probably get into that uh, during our chat as well. Seeing as how <laughs> these are getting shorter and shorter as we go, uh, I'm, I'm really expecting the Gore chat to be just about an hour or so as well. <laughs> um, all of that aside... Uh, if you would like to follow Fallon and a lot of the things that she's got going on, you can follow her at Fallon Bowman across all the socials. Uh, and her YouTube channel is Fallon Bowman TV. If you would like to follow our partner, Moshpit Nation, you can follow them at moshpitnation.com, home to this podcast. You can also find them on Facebook at Moshpit Nation West Capital MI. Facebook and Twitter are simply Moshpit Nation. If you would like to follow what I'm doing, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John's Untitled Pod, and you can email me at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. Going to end this episode, as we always do here, with a song, and it was kind of tough feeling, feeling out what I wanted to end this episode to. Um, you know, I could have gone with Leathers, I could have gone with Tempest, but I decided to actually go with the song that just kind of kept every time I kept going through the record it kept bringing me to the one song and that is going to be entombed um I just really love the the diverse nature of this song a lot of different textures going on that uh we haven't really seen in a Deftone song up until this record um the like the court sort of tapping very uh ethereal guitar tones and and sounds that are going on uh every time I listen to it it just always makes me you know, really, it just kind of pulls me in, and Chino's lyrics just really seal the deal for me. Um, to me, it really is the standout track of this record, and more so than I would say a Leathers Era Tempest, which kind of just treads from more familiar ground. So it's definitely going to be Entombed for me, so we're going to end it with that. So without further ado, this is Entombed by Deftones. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye.
from the dead.